We're talking a New York Giants win on today's Lock on Giants podcast. David Turner joins us coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I am joined, as always, by David Turner, former NFL scout, former uh, personnel guy. He's been breaking down the Giant games with me all season long, as well as some other stuff in the offseason. Really knows his stuff. Glad to have him with us. And we have, that's right, folks, sit down. We have a win, 23-16 over the Las Vegas Raiders. The Giants go into their bye week on a high note. And David, let's start there. I mean, what does this do for a team that, you know, basically was coming off kind of a funky type of week last week between the COVID false positives and just, you know, not knowing who they were going to have and all this stuff. So, So what does this do for the team morale? Well, I think it's obviously sending them into the bye week, uh, on a high. I mean, they started the season, what, 0 and 3, and now they won three in a row. So they're three, you know, uh, or, and yeah, now they won three in a row. So, you know, they got the three wins under their belts. Um, but I think, you know, like you said last week, a lot of false positives, a lot of didn't know who was going to play, who was going to get activated. I mean, people were really just kind of, uh, I know the building was uh, sitting on pins and needles for most of the week. So, it was uh, it was a stressful week. Now they can kind of chill a little bit, go go into the bye week, get healthy. You know, I think there's some players today that showed showed up a little bit that returned from uh, being you know injured, and you know we'll talk about them. And I think you know there's some positive stuff. They're going to have some challenges right out the gate, obviously, but there's some positive stuff to talk about over the last three weeks, and we'll get we'll get to it. Definitely. Now we, we talked a little bit, we, you and I actually were texting in the beginning of the, the game, how Jason Garrett's uh, opening drive was just wonderful. I mean, I think we could both agree on it. And then it took kind of a downhill turn. I mean, were you kind of surprised that they didn't get the receivers involved until like literally later in the game? I was excited. Like, what have I been telling you? Like for the last three weeks, it was like, you know, get the damn tight ends, the ball. So, you know, and, and, you know, using them and using the um, uh, running backs out of the backfield. I love what they, I love what he was doing there for sure. You know, where I fell short was on, what was it? The second drive um, where I just felt his game plan kind of fell apart a little bit and, you know, he had to go off script and, and that's where Jason tends to be struggling this year is when that adversity hits. And then, yeah, you know, you can't just go and do what he's used to doing. Um, and when they got into penalties, I mean, the game plan just kind of fell apart a lot. You know, as soon as there was a penalty, it just seemed like they didn't know what they were doing. Um, but I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just – I'll try to keep it positive as much as I can. Uh, you know, but for me, I, I really was excited to see the tight ends being used, Rudolph and and even Ingram. I mean, that pass that Daniel Jones threw to Ingram for the touchdown was an absolute laser and it was a situation where, I mean, that's called, folks, that's throwing them open because that was good coverage, okay? That Raiders defender had his hand right there, 
I mean, and it was just I, I was amazed he threw the ball and that, you know, Ingram caught that one because that was really good coverage. So that was Daniel throwing him open and trusting his receiver right there, which tells a lot about, you know, how he feels about Ingram. So, you know, that was a great throw. And to see Rudolph getting balls and stuff today, I was excited. Like that to me is what the Giants offense needs to look more like. Did we get a full fledged account of it? No, but Galladay got involved. You know, made some really good catches. I think two on third down, move the ball, move the chains. You know, I again, if this team's healthy, they got talent, as we've been saying, and we saw some of it come into fruition today. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, let's talk about the offensive line, because I thought the offensive line, for the most part, did a pretty good job, especially run blocking. Oh, yes. I mean, big holes today. Booker. Had you know was wasn't getting touched behind the line. There wasn't a lot of penetration. You know there was a couple of runs where he got stuffed at the line, but again they weren't allowing penetration. The defensive line was not changing the line of scrimmage on them too often. Um, it was them really dictating the run game. I I liked it a lot. I liked what I saw. I wish they ran the ball even more. Being honest with you, um, but once Booker went down, I think Penny did his best. Came into the game did his best. But one of the benefits of having a guy like Booker, he can catch the ball in the backfield, so it keeps the defensive guessing a little bit between run and pass and what's he going to do, and he's a good pass blocker too. So, again, all in all, I thought the first drive was really solid. I thought when he got when they got in the red zone a little bit, that red zone offense has to get better. It, it just has to get better because they are not scoring touchdowns every time in the red zone. And I know everybody's like, it's the NFL, you can't score every time. But that number has to be up in the 70% to 80 percentile, and I know it's not there. Um, so for me, I would love for them to get better at that. Yeah, for sure. Now, the Giants also, the run game, let's talk about that run game. No Saquon Barkley. Um, just looking at the stats here, 149 yards on the ground, 31 times, 4.8 average. Devonta Booker with a huge, huge day. Now, it's interesting. We were talking about this. <laughs> excuse me, in the press box, we were talking about, do they need Saquon Barkley? Do they need to sign this guy to a big time deal, especially given the injury issues? I mean, we just see sometimes without him in the lineup, they can still run the ball and do what they need to do. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I know Barkley's a, a, a special talent, but I know me personally, I'm not so sure I would sign him to a mega deal. Well, if he's looking to, if he's looking to, um, sorry, got a little love there. <laughs> if you, if he's looking to get a, a big time money deal, then no, because is he's not been durable enough, and you can't make you can't make the big cashish unless you're on the field earning the big cashish. So you know, if he if he has more of a realistic number in mind. I mean, he's a different guy when he's on the field. He's really a special dude. So I would love to keep him around and keep him in the big blue uniform and everything. But again, if he's coming out and he's like, I need to be the top running back paid in the league. Oh, have fun in the market, kid. You know, go go try to find someone that's going to invest that in you when you, you know, you've been hurt over the last three seasons. You missed two complete seasons, right? And then this year he only played, what, the first three games or four games, and then he's been out. So, you know, it's just not a situation where you can overinvest even in a talented uh, player like he is. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 
very curious to see, you know, they talked about, you know, that John Mara has said he'd like to see him a giant for life, but, you know, they said the same thing about Odell Beckham Jr. We all know what happened there. So, uh, (laughs) obviously not the same, not the same scenario, you know, Barkley is not the type of personality that Odell is, but, um, just, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see they don't have to make that decision probably till another, for another year at least, but, uh, you know, you just see, you know, last year with Wayne Gallman able to carry the running game, you know, uh, the combination, the committee seems to work best. I mean, you're, you've done personnel. I mean, is that how it's trending now where you don't necessarily need that bell cow or, or is it just a luxury to have it? No, I, I get away from that because you see teams that do have bell cows. They might have a solid second. They might have a solid second. But when you have a bell cow, your your offense is different. You know, you really are. The Tennessee Titans, I mean, they're playing tonight without their bell cow. And, you know, they're up, uh, what are they up, 14 to 3 on the Rams. But here's the deal. if When they have Henry in, that's a special offense. That's a difference maker, right? That's a guy that you have to account for every play. With Saquon, if you have him in there, that's a different offense. We've talked about that. That the Giants offense has some nitrous now. It's a because he can catch the ball. He, his acceleration is different. Everything. So, you know, again, I just think he's a different player when he's playing. And if you have a bell cow, but you need a solid second. So again, if you can find a one-two punch like they have over in uh, Cleveland with Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you know that's the kind of backfield you would hope to have. And you do have that when you have Saquon and Booker, right? When you got the two of them in the backfield together, you do have a nice one-two punch. Even look at uh, the the Cowboys. when They got Pollard now with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So when you have those two back combinations like that, I think that's what this league is coming to, to be honest with you. All right, Giant fans, we got more coming up on today's show. But first, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle. Direct TV stream brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So that's right. Stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. All right, now let's talk about the Giants' defense. Now, the Raiders had, I believe, over 400 yards total, but the Giants rose to the occasion in this game when needed. So <laughs> what, what did you like about what Patrick Graham did and what made the difference, do you think? I like the way you phrased that, when needed. <laughs> It's true. That's not accurate. No, I just like the way you worded that. Your wordsmithing there was beautiful. Um, (laughs) You know, with five minutes left into the third quarter, the Giants only had like 30 snaps on the day. You know, so the, the Raiders held the ball for a lot. And I talk about that all the time, right? I, I, I don't like that. They let their opposing offense do 14 play drives you know, 11 play drives. I I hate that. Now they get into the red zone and they didn't give up points. They, you know, they got turnovers and pick six today. 
<clears throat> you know, that stuff was great. I think the Raiders game plan was poor. And I also think their execution was poor because they, they focus on getting the ball to Edwards. I think he was targeted seven times and he, I don't think he had a catch all day. Um, Renfro and Waller Waller didn't get catches until late, you know, and that was a mistake by the Raiders. I thought they should have used, utilized him more, but again, the giants were double covering Waller and, you know, they were kind of leaving Edwards open knowing that they, you know, it was going to be a mistake. Um, and they let him open, but, um, I think Graham, again, went into the lab, figured a way to win, did a great job. I don't like the bend, don't break attitude. That's just not me. But I also like what our front did today. I mean, our front were active. They were putting pressure on Carr. They were getting him off his spot. They were closing. You know, the run game for the Raiders came out strong. Look at them in the first half. I mean, they had a good first half running the ball. Second half, not so much. I mean, they gave up some creases. But it shored up a lot in the second half. We did not give up as many yards in the second half as we did the first. So that was some good in-game adjustments there for them. Now let's talk about a couple of young players who really stood out. We got to start with Xavier McKinney, a guy who, you know, you, you could kind of see at the start of the season how he was starting to siphon some of the snaps away from Jabril Peppers before he got injured. Um, pretty, I think it's pretty safe to say at this point that come next year peppers is not going to be resigned and mckinney's going to be that guy the you know for for the foreseeable future but what was the big difference with him i mean you look at those two interceptions was it just a bad throw by car or just you know a good read or a combination of the two i think they were i think they were good reads i mean i think car uh that was it the pick six i think car was forcing it Right. But the other the other interception, I thought was a good read and a good break, good ball skills, tracked the ball really well and watched it all the way into his hands and, you know, was able to get was able to get upfield with it. So, you know, for me, the young player seemed to have a good anticipation today, a good understanding of the game plan. He, he understood the offense down in distance. Well, I mean, not only, I mean, did he have the two picks? Yes, but he had a good game otherwise too. I mean, you didn't see him getting beat. You didn't see him getting exposed. I mean, he, he really did. I thought a real nice, solid job today and he's, he's getting a feel for that defense. I think he's been becoming more comfortable in his role in that defense. And that's what we're seeing a little bit today. And hopefully the rest of the season, we continue to see that. And another young player who stepped in was Quincy Roche. Now he's a guy who's been getting snaps here and there. Last week, he started to see more snaps. This week, he was elevated to the starting lineup. They put down O'Shane Zimenez, who I got to admit, you know, I, I had hopes for him, but he's been disappointing. But Roche, boy, he he stepped in and I thought he was very active, came up with that big, big strip sack that basically ended the Raiders' comeback attempt. Uh, what did you like or what did you see from him? Well, Roche was one of my my heartthrobs from the draft. I mean, he was a guy that, you know, when he came out, I really liked him and I was all over him and people were like, you're crazy, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I really like this kid. I think he can bend the corner quick. I really think he has good anticipation with uh, blocks and what's going to come at him. I think he studies film when you watch his hand placement and how he rushes. He has a plan. He's got an idea what to do. Uh, he's not just a guy coming off doing the same thing every time. 
So I think he's he's got a, he's got a chance to be a really skilled pass rusher. And when you got him and the other young buck on the other side together, that could give, you know, with Williams and Carter and everybody else they got up front, that could be really something fun to watch. If not, what I saw out of Roche today, again, was a lot of what I saw from the draft and it's translating. You know, a lot of guys, when they translate up and the skill level goes up, they, they get swallowed up and the game gets too big for them. But with Roche, I think he's just starting to, you know, he's starting to figure it out. He's, he's, you know, he's going to take him a little bit, but he's starting to put it together. And I, I'll bet you this, the last six games of the season, Roche's got a chance to be a beast. Yeah, I'm very curious to see that. I mean, I like what I've seen from him. I like what I've seen from Ojolari. And, <clears throat> excuse me, we know that Carter is going to be a free agent. He's kind of been quiet. Zimenez, like I said, he's been kind of quiet. They activated um, Ellerson Smith for this game. I, I don't know how many snaps he got into. I don't recall seeing him where he stood out, but uh, certainly, you know, some some promising pass rushing talent for a unit that I think at the beginning of the year we had question marks about. Absolutely. I, I, I think this young, talented t- um, pass rushing, you know, situation that they got right now is, is one in which is going to be fun to watch develop. Right now, sticking with the defense, you know, again, they did give up a good chunk of yardage to the Raiders. What continues to be the problem? What continues to hold them back? I would say, you know, like whether it be a position group or or a particular player or an absence of a player, what's holding this group back? Mm, Yeah, that's a good for me. I just don't like I I think it's a lack of aggression. Like, you know, I like I want to see more blitzes. I want to see them bringing more stunts. Um, you know, that's me. You know, I want to see more zero coverage, get up in their face, press man, and, and you know, figure it out, you know, at the line of scrimmage. That's not what I – that's just, you know, this bend don't break defense and let them get down into the 30-plus and then try to stop them there. It's just not my thing. It's – I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I wish they would stop it, as I've been saying for weeks. Um, it worked today. But again, the Raiders aren't, you know, the foremost, you know, prolific offense. I know Derek Carr's having a really good year, but, you know, again, without rugs now on their team, that takes a a very speedy receiver off the field and their stretch receiver off the field. So I don't know how that's going to wind up uh, affecting this offense and productivity the rest of the year because Ruggs was the stretch of field guy that could take the top off. And without him, I think like what you saw with the giants today, they weren't really worried downfield. They covered underneath and, you know, sat on routes and that, that really limited cars options. What do you think about this, this plan that they put in place? I guess it happened last week against the chiefs organically, or, or maybe it was done purposely. I don't know, but having Bradbury cover the tight end, what do you think of that? Well, Bradbury's just covering the best receiver on third down. So that's, that's what, I mean, that they know they want to go to Kelsey. So they put Bradbury on them. Then they go this week, they know they want to go to Waller. So they're just like, no, we're just going to stick Bradbury on them. We're just taking away number one option with our number one guy. Cause then we can then by manning that guy up, we can bracket number two. And then it still leaves us an extra defender to cover over top on three. So therefore, 
by taking number one away by a single coverage. And our best coverage guy is Bradbury, and he's big enough and long enough to cover these tall tight ends. That's why that's why he's so valuable because he can do stuff like that. Indeed. And plus he's been playing better with, with some of those new responsibilities. Well, yeah, I, I mean, they're not as fast. So <laughs> it plays into Bradbury's plan right there. So, you know, uh, I'm not saying he's slow. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Bradbury's slow, but I'm saying like when you're covering these tight ends, they're not the four, three guys that are, you got to worry about running away from you, you know? Right. So uh, uh, that's a little, little different ball game there. And Bradbury's a big dude. So, you know, he can, he can play with those big boys. Yeah, indeed. Now, no. I don't think he'll be able to do it where they got Tampa Bay coming out of the break, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, they're not going to be able to put him on Gronk and take Gronk away, you know, because that'll expose with uh, Godwin and and uh, A.B. and stuff. So they're going to, you know, that's an offense that's hitting on a lot of cylinders right now. Hey, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show. But first, have you checked out Built Bar? Available in nine amazing flavors, plus a a rotating selection of limited-time offerings in nut and nut-free variety. Built Bar is the perfect choice for a low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Visit BuiltBar.com today and get 15% off your first order with our promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at Built bar.com for 15% off your first order. All right, giant fans still more to come on today's show, but first did you know bet online is back and better than ever before offering a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to their updated desktop or mobile website to sign in today. And when you sign up for a new account and use our special promo code LOCKEDON, you will get a 50% welcome bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers that are available. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, you know, they're they're going into the bye week. Still a lot of stuff they have to, to fix up, clean up. What is, if you had to make a priority list of things for them to work on during the bye, what would you prioritize? I'm still about going into the lab and figuring out this offense. I like where it's going. Okay. I see more of this uh, 12 personnel. So I think 13, a couple times today, Mm. Um, you know, I like where they're going with that. They're using the tight ends in the pass game and in pass blocking. So that's, that's stuff that I get excited about. Booker's health is going to be very important during this break because if Saquon can't come back and Booker's hurt, that's going to be an issue. Now there were reports that if Saquon didn't have his false positive this week, that he could have possibly played just, you know, they need to get him on the field and practice him. But again, that ankle injury looked really, really gnarly. So, you know, that's just something I'm watching out for. The running back health is something 
we really hopefully out of the break uh, will be healthier there as well as the health of the left tackle. Cause pear is been super. The, the cream pie has been, you know, cream puffs has been super serviceable, but um, again, he's not, he's not the left tackle of the future. And also what a, I'm, 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 I'm curious if you've heard anything about that, young Tennessee Titan um, offensive lineman that they have on the practice squad. Yeah. What's, where's he at? Cause if he, if they can get him at right tackle and get the left tackle back, that offensive line is going to be really interesting. I think that's, that might be the plan down the line. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, you say, I know you've been down on Parrot. I don't think he's been that bad. I don't think he was that horrible today. I mean, there were a couple of times that, you cringed and whatnot, but to answer your question about Wilson, I think um, they were trying to get him up to speed, you know, get his strength back because remember he hadn't played football in quite some time. So I think this year he's a project and they're going to maybe look to get him really get him in the mix next year. I'd be surprised if we see him this year. I also want to go back to something you said about Saquon. (coughs) Uh, Saquon, was not going to play this week, regardless. I mean, I on Monday night during the broadcast, I don't know. Um, I happened to make a note of this. They, the um, sideline reporter Lisa Salters had said she she had spoken, I guess, with Saquon, and he was still talking about how his ankle was still there was still some swelling in there. So I did not think Saquon, you know, regardless of what happened with the with the COVID tests and all that, I didn't think he was going to play this week. Now, here's the other thing, you know, while we're on that topic, he had supposedly a low ankle sprain. This has taken an awful long time for him to, to heal up. I mean, he only missed three games with a high ankle sprain. Is this unusual? I mean, I know you're not a doctor, but you've seen injuries to guys. And I, I, I'm just wondering if, you know, a low ankle sprain taking that long? Well, you're talking to a man who had major ankle surgery this year, this last year. So, you know, I know for me, it's um, it's a it's a tough situation. It really is because when you're when you're on a an ankle sprain at all in any kind, it's um, it's a tough one because you got to cut on it. You got to, you know, be able to support all your weight. It's a small, like my ankle surgery surgeon said, it's a very small area where there's not a lot of blood flow and swelling has to go through your lymph nodes to get through. And the closest lymph node to your ankle is in your hip. So that's why you have to sit and you have to elevate and let it drain down your leg to get there. But it's so far away from your heart that it's an area that doesn't get a lot of blood flow, which helps in healing too. So ankle injuries, just depending on the person, it's difficult to anticipate and go with um, how, how long typically something would take ankles are one of the ankles and feet are really interesting, not interesting, but hard to to predict on how people are going to recover from ankles and, and feet injuries. It's easy easier with shoulders and you know elbows and and things that are a little higher up because we've just seen the healing process but ankles it's just different and a guy like saquon who's explosive um and definitely wants to be able to cut and do all his things when he's on the field you know that's a, that's a situation where you want him 100 percent. you don't want to just throw him back out there because then that'll nag him and again we're at this was game seven for them today i believe the, 
The Giants, it was game yeah. nine. Oh, was it game nine? Yeah. Holy smokes. Here I go. So game nine. Well, they still have eight games to go, right? So they're sitting at three and five with eight games to go. So they, you know, they got a, they got a shot at having a winning season, right? Mm-hmm. And they can make it work and they don't, uh, they don't want Saquon to be, you know, nursing it all year. So giving him a little extra time is smart and making sure he's a hundred percent. Cause you know, again, they're not in a division that's running away from them too much. You know, look at what happened to Dallas today. They got offered by, you know, the, the, the Denver Broncos, you know, it was 30 to zero or something like that. I don't know. It was at one well, they, point. They got a couple garbage time touchdowns, but yeah. you know, Denver did own them today. Yeah. It was 30 to zero and four when I turned it off. So, <laughs> you know, but as I say, it's like, you know, it's not a division that's running away from them. So, yeah. you know, can they catch them? It'll be difficult. I'm not sitting here trying to pump them up, but if you get, if they get healthy, they have a really, good deep offensive skill positions and therefore they can make a run here late yeah and you know you you mentioned you know with ankles i sprained mine back in i had a like a i think it was a grade one low ankle sprain in april and to this day here we are we're we're more than six months out took me a long time to kind of get the ankle feeling right and even now sometimes it's like if i don't move it i can feel it stiffen up and it was just the weirdest thing so but yeah, you know, I just thought it was it was you know unusual. The reason why I brought it up is because they say usually for an athlete, a high ankle sprain takes longer, and a lower ankle sprain because I guess of the treatment that they get, they can get back quicker. So that's why I was just wondering about the timing involved, and if if maybe I don't know the information that was put out. I mean, who knows? Some, sometimes they 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 say something. They try to be as generic as possible. But you know, the important thing is is I think we'll see Saquon. After the break, I, w- I would be stunned if he's not back on the field for the Tampa Bay game. And if he's not on the field by then, then something's really, really up with that injury because that then you're talking, you know, he was injured, what, week five? So this would bring us to, what, week 11? You're talking something significant there that, you know, I would be concerned about. But let me get back to um, getting back into the lab and what this team has to do. You know, you mentioned some of the things that you would do what about from like the coaching perspective? Like we were talking about this um, in the press box today, actually about how the coaching has kind of regressed a little bit. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but like in particular, like game management decisions, um, you know, the use of timeouts when they use them, um, whether to go for it, whether to be aggressive and stuff like that. What's the process like for a coaching staff when they self-scout themselves and, def- you know, determine, okay, you know what, maybe we could have done a few things better. And h- how does that just all work? And where do you see this coaching staff really needing to pick it up in the second half of you? Well, you want me to repeat last week. <laughs> ah, you just like to get me in trouble. Uh, <laughs> you're a troublemaker. You just like I to get me in not. trouble. You just totally get me in trouble so I do not come on so what what where they need to get better is play calling like getting when when there's a penalty or when there's a a, a hiccup some adversity they need to get better at that because like i said today even jason's first drive was perfect 
running the ball. Oh, line was opening holes. As long as they didn't have a penalty, Jason knew what to do. You know, it was a good game plan. And he got the receivers involved after the tight ends, which I thought was great because then people started worrying about the tight ends, worrying about the run game. The play action pass started opening up for Daniel Jones. So that is perfect. Like, that's what you do. As soon as there's a holding call, we're running a draw play or we're, we're throwing a screen or we're doing – it's like, man, just you got some horses out there. And Tony and Galladay was playing today. It's like, go throw a vertical route. Let's go. Like, get them inside the hash marks in, in, or inside the numbers, between the numbers, and throw a vertical route. Run some crossers. Do, do a scissors or something, and let's go. Like, I, I don't understand, like, why he didn't open that up a little bit more today with those guys that he does have playing. And then, um, you know, for me, I like the 12-personnel look. I like the way they ran out of it today. I think they need to stay with that. You know, even when Saquon's in there to stay with the 12 personnel look, utilize those tight ends. Like I've been saying for weeks, Rudolph needs more touches. I mean, I love the way they went to him today, but I thought they could have targeted him more. Um, And, you know, for me, now it's time to get Galladay rolling. You know, him and Tony need to be rolling. I don't care. Tony's special and he didn't have hardly any touches today. You know, that kid, we saw what he could do a few weeks ago when he was targeted a bunch. You get the ball in that man's hand and boom, but they're letting him throw the ball more than they are trying to freaking, you know, throw the ball to him. And I'm tired of the gadget plays. You want to know one thing I'm tired of? The gadget plays. Can we take those and park them on the sideline? They wasted one too. They wasted one on, I think it was like a long, long yardage situation. It's like, dude, can we just run the ball and throw the ball? Why do we have to do all these double reverse passes to the quarterback and let the receivers throw the ball? Like, man, we got one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Just let them drop back and throw it, please. I, you know, I'm just over that. That's me. That, you know, I'm done with the gadget plays and the quarterback runs. Like, you got all these receivers, you got all these tight ends. Line it up and let's go. Now, on defense, again, press, get in zero. When it gets to be play six, seven, and eight, I would love to see it be aggressive on the drive. I'm tired of the 11, 14 play drives and settle for a field goal. And as long as they're kicking field goals, we will have a better chance to win. I hate that philosophy. It's not me. It's not how I do things. So that I'm over. And then on special teams, we had our 12th special team penalty today, 12 in nine games. And your head coach is the special teams guy. You got to get the discipline better. Those kind of penalties that we've seen this year on special teams and throughout a lot of it's discipline and the players aren't showing discipline. So that's coaching. You got to get on them. You got to make them. You got to make them be more disciplined and uh, know their assignments and know how to execute their assignments. Definitely. Now, I know this is like kind of hard to, to predict, and I'm just going to pull up the schedule right here. But the Giants coming off this you hear her? She's about to put me on the spot. You hear I'm gonna put I you know this spot. is hard to predict, but guess what? You're about to predict something. 
Hey, if it makes you feel better, I'll predict too. But Tampa Bay, Philadelphia twice, Miami, Chargers, Dallas, Chicago, Washington. If you had to take a guess, how many winnable games would you say are in that that batch there? Out of eight, seven, maybe six. Okay. Which six two? Or seven. Which two are you not comf- feeling? Tampa Bay. In Dallas. <laughs> in Dallas. Okay, I I'm wondering I I'm I've got questions about the Chargers and I don't know that they're going to beat Philly twice. They just haven't done it, I think, in a while. Well, you asked me if they, could they beat Philly twice? Yes. Can they beat could Washington? They? Yes. yes, that's three, right? Yeah. And then you said they have Miami. Miami. That's they four. have the Chargers. Chargers uh, is going to be a hard game for sure. They have the Bears. Bears and then they is close a out with Washington. Game. Yeah, but that's what I say. Like, you, the Bears definitely a winnable game. Philly yeah. winnable game. Miami winnable game. Um, Washington winnable game. Right. So there's three games on there that are going to be tough battles: Tampa Bay, Dallas, and Chargers. Yeah. Now, but there's one of those they can win. Like, whether it's the Dallas game, because we saw again what happened to Dallas today. Or if it's and Tampa Bay has been, you know, shut down twice this year. Now, I don't know if the Giants have it in them, but they're hitting them right at the right time coming out of the, the bye week. If they're going to take a shot, you know, mm-hmm. then they got two weeks to prepare for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, again, you got the Chargers who, again, today they looked human. So. You know, the Chargers, the first five weeks of the season didn't look human. They were rolling. But ever since they played New England, you know, people seem to start figuring out that cover two is messing up the quarterback. And there you know, a lot of people are throwing that at them now. And that's exactly what we play. So, again, it, it you know, kind of fits what we like to do on defense to play them. So I think, again, you can you can win six of the last eight which would put you at nine. What was that? Well, that'd be nine and there's they're, uh, nine and seven. And, what are they now? They're three and six now, right? They're three and six, I believe. Right yeah, now, so that'd so. put you at nine and eight. If you do that, if you win six of the last games or seven of the last, wait, no, six of the last eight, you get to, you get to, you get to nine and seven. Or nine and eight. Sorry, nine and eight. I keep thinking seven because I I'm trained to think sixteen games. I'm trained to think sixteen. I'm I do the same thing, so don't yeah. sweat it. But so I, I'll tell you eight, what, you got a winning to, season. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say if they can get to nine and seven, I'd take that. I would definitely Wait, take that. If they get to nine and eight and they got a winning season and they might finish second in the division. I know. I got you. Uh, <laughs> But they might finish second in the division, or they might they might get there because Dallas, if they if Dallas putter, sputters and putters down the line, they might they can get there. I'm not fearing Washington, and I'm not fearing, uh, you know, Philly. Philly's got a good little team. They played hard today. You know, the team is playing hard. Don't get me wrong. Hurst is a good little quarterback. He runs around, gets out of trouble. You know, they're playing hard, but. I think the Giants have a team that can beat Philly twice. They can beat Washington, and they they got they can give Dallas a hell of a game if they don't beat them. They got especially if they're healthy, 
They got a team that can do it. And that defense today with Roche and Ojolari and uh, Leonard Williams and Carter, like they got some horses up front to put the pressure on, you know, and if you can shut the run game down, that'll help. That's the, that's going to be the Achilles heel though, is if they got to learn to shut the run down because if they don't shut that run down, that's going to, uh, it's, you know, we saw it hurt them in other games and that will hurt them again. Hopefully brighter skies ahead. I mean, it's nice to actually go into the bye week with a win. My timeline appreciates it. I know I appreciate it because I'm telling you, I, after a loss, people are so despondent and I get it. I mean, look, I get depressed after it too. Cause it's just, I've been doing it for so long. It's like a win is nice every once in a while. But uh, like you said, we go into the bye week on an upbeat note. So, folks, that's going to do it for today's show. Just a reminder, we'll do Twitter, our Twitter mailbag on Thursday, since there will be no crossover show this week. So Mm -hmm. I want to thank you all for tuning in, David. As always, thank you. I will talk to you later in the week. And Giant fans, have a good one.